On March 7th, 1965, about 600 protesters headed southeast on U.S. Highway 80, marching from Selma, Alabama, to the capital city of Montgomery. There was an effort to secure voting rights for African Americans. And the march was going as planned until they got to the Edmund Pettus Bridge and crossed over into Dallas County. And there they were faced with a barrier, not only of state troopers sent by the governor, but a wall of white men from all over the county. They were newly deputized that very morning to block the path of the marchers. They were under the orders of the governor of Alabama that they were to use whatever measures necessary to prevent a march. After a brief appeal from the marchers seeking safe passage, the troopers and the deputized mob began shoving the protesters. They were attacked with nightsticks. They were beaten. They were tear gassed. And they were driven out by mounted troopers on horseback. Seventeen of the marchers were hospitalized, 50 others were injured, and not a single one fought back or retaliated. Not a single one. We're faced this morning with some of the most challenging texts in all of Scripture. Turn the other cheek. Jesus says, love your enemies, Jesus says. Clearly, these are contrary to our human experience, our human tendencies, contrary to the, our perception of the way that this world works. We come to these passages with all sorts of questions. Doesn't this just make us a doormat to be trampled on? Doesn't this just make us submissive? And passive to grave injustice? How can I possibly love my enemy when the only thing I want for him is for him to get what he deserves? We're in Matthew chapter 5 this morning. I hope you have your Bibles or um, a tablet or a phone with your Bible app on it. Matthew chapter 5. We'll be looking at verses 38 to 48, and I like it when you follow along, especially today, because I want you to see that I'm not making this stuff up. <laughs> and we're coming to the end of the first section on the sermon of the Sermon on the Mount. And if you remember what is going on, Jesus has said, I want you to have a righteousness to have a, a love that, a righteousness, excuse me, that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. I want you, disciples of mine, Jesus is saying, to be more holy than the holiest people you know. And this is practically what it looks like. And so he's been showing us it'll be up to six different ways that a disciple's righteousness could exceed that that is merely prescribed in the law. He's showing us what this righteousness looks like. He's showing us what it looks like to follow Christ, to be salt and light. He's showing us 
what it looks like to deny ourselves and to deny even our own rights for the sake of showing that we are sons and daughters of God. That's what this is about. This is about loving others in such a radical way that we deny ourselves and thereby show the love of Christ to the world. That's what is going on in these passages. And so first up this morning, we see that following Christ involves denying our perceived right to retaliate. Now the way these things are framed, and there's six of them, is is a formula. And Jesus says, you have heard it said this, but I tell you this. Okay? And so in this one he said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He's quoting the Old Testament. This is Old Testament law. He said, you have heard this, but I'm telling you, do not resist evil. You've heard it said an eye for an eye, but I say to you, do not resist. Now, it's important to remember, this Old Testament law is actually set in the context of a courtroom. It's an instruction to a judge. Hey, judge, when you're considering a sentence or punishment, keep in mind these guidelines. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You don't need to exceed, your punishment should not exceed the evil that was done. This is not a code for personal ethics. It's a a courtroom and judge administering justice. But too often, I think, we like to abide by this principle, right? It sounds good, right? You did it to me, so I'll do it back to you, right? Many of you have kids, right? And they get caught in a fight or they're hitting each other or shoving each other. Or you see on a football field, perhaps, after the play is over, one player will shove another player. In both of those cases, what's the excuse? He started it, right? He did it first. He hit me first. He pushed me first. I'm just just getting back at him exactly what he gave to me. But if only such self-justification was limited to childlike immaturity or emotional response... Too often we bring these principles, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, into our own personal ethical lives, into our marriages, into our friendships, into our vocations, into our parenting. And so we look at our spouse and say, you started this. It's your fault. Or we look at our kids and we say, I'm sorry I yelled at you, but you were being really bad. Or at work, we say, well, they underpaid us. They're underpaying me for this work. So I have the right to mislead them on my timesheets. But Jesus is showing us a different way, right? You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist evil. I say to you, if someone slaps you on your right cheek, and now remember, in a right-handed society, there's only one way to slap somebody on their right cheek, and that's with their knuckles. I say to you, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer him your left. I say to you, if someone sues you for your shirt, offer him your coat as well. I say to you, if anyone forces you to go one mile, if the Roman army conscripts you to carry a cross for a mile, you offer him two. And I say to you, if anyone begs of you, 
do not refuse to give him what is rightfully yours. Jesus is turning this whole ethical system on his head. Rather than encouraging an ethic that might propel us into an endless cycle of retaliation and revenge, Jesus is calling his fathers to re- followers to resist evil by what at face value looks like absolutely no resistance whatsoever. That's very challenging. But if we look closely... What we see in this passage is not a submission to evil, not a submission to injustice, but the actual disarming of evil and injustice in our midst. He's not asking his disciples to be passive doormats, but to act in active defiance in an effort to change the hearts of the world. Now, Here's how this works. If you offer your other cheek to someone, the reality is you might get slapped harder. If you offer your coat to someone who is demanding your shirt, the reality is you might sleep cold that night. In fact, you should expect it. You should not be surprised if you get slapped harder, and you should not be surprised if you lose your coat. But by refusing To retaliate, you are providing the opportunity for either reconciliation or the exposing of injustice. Let me pause for a second. This is a very personal decision that you have to figure out how it works out in your life. But I am not saying if you are in an abusive relationship that you should turn the other cheek. No, get out. I'm not saying that if you're being used and abused by your friends, that you should keep hanging out with those people and calling them your friends. But I am saying, how can you retaliate? How can you not retaliate? How can you show the love of Christ in these situations? These are the sorts of questions we have to ask ourselves. We're not called to be passive doormats, but to actively defy evil and a chance and an opportunity to allow the person who is evil or is committing evil to know Christ, to allow that person to be restored in relationship, to allow the world to see what the love of Christ looks like. And so the aggressor might think twice and hold back and have a chance for repentance and forgiveness. Or he might continue with his attack And injustice would be exposed publicly, and it might provide a framework for reform or for, for an act of love that allows the person to come back into the kingdom. But at the end of the day, no matter what happens, our call as Christians is to deny ourselves in the pursuit of love. To deny ourselves that we might bear witness to the love of Christ. To deny ourselves that perhaps even our enemies might be won over by such love. Now such a calling to love one's enemies is Jesus' concluding example in this section of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, In effect, it actually sums up the overall ethic he was going for. And so he says there in verse 43... You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
Well, that's not actually in the Old Testament. The Old Testament says, love your neighbor, full stop. But what has happened is they've started asking these questions, and we see it in Scripture. Well, who exactly is my neighbor, right? That's a great question to ask. Perhaps I can limit the extent of my love by saying these people are my neighbor and these people aren't. And so I can love these people, but if I want to hate those people, well, that's okay. And so Jesus says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is a radical love. Rather than just loving our neighbors, those people who are like us, who are in our circle, who think and act and believe the same things that we do, we're called to love others. Even tax collectors and sinners can love other tax collectors and sinners. That's not very hard. But we're called to love our enemies. We're called to pray for those who persecute us. We're called to crucify our desires for revenge, to crucify our desires to be bitter That our love, that God's love, might abound even with our worst enemies. Now, of course, all this begs the question, how can we possibly do this? Friends, this requires a reorientation of our hearts. You might walk out there and you might say, I can do that. I'm going to go love my enemy. And you might go find your enemy and you might say, I love you. And he might slap you in the cheek and then you're going to punch him in the face. That's just how our hearts work, unless they are changed and melted by the love of Christ. God gives us, when we know Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit, he gives us a desire to show love to others in the same way that Christ has loved us. Jesus did not demand his rights as the Son of God. But instead, he was born in a manger. He did not retaliate at injustice, but endured it with love and even forgiveness. He loved us even while we were still his enemies. He loved us even while we did and we continue to persecute him. As we continue to dishonor his name, as we continue to bring him ridicule by the way we are acting... He loves us anyway. The purpose of this discussion is to show the disciples how they can show the love of Christ. Jesus says, I've loved you like this. You love others like this. This is how you do it. And so we see in verse 48 this amazing command. It echoes what we heard earlier when Jesus said, You should have a righteousness that exceeds the scribes and Pharisees. We have this in verse 48. You therefore must be what? Perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You must look at how God loves and love in the same way. Or verse 45. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. We are called to this radical love so that the world can see that we are sons and daughters of God. This is not legalistic. This isn't saying when you love this way, you will finally be in the kingdom. 
This is saying you're in the kingdom, therefore this is what your life looks like. The assumption is that we're already the people of God. And therefore this is how we are called to behave. We're already citizens of the kingdom. Because Christ died for us. And we received his death and resurrection so that we might share in his eternal life. Friends, this message of Christ isn't earning your way into the kingdom. It's receiving the love of Christ and sharing it with the world. And because we are loved by Christ, we're called to share it with the world around us. Because we are loved by Christ, our honor is not dependent upon coming up without perfect knockout retaliatory Facebook posts. <laughs> our love of Christ, because we're loved by Christ, our honor is not dependent upon righting a wrong that was committed against us. Because we are loved for Christ, we have no problem sacrificing our physical safety so that the gospel might be proclaimed. Because we have been loved by Christ, our status in this world is nothing, nothing compared to the honor and the eternal life that awaits us. Like I said, this is a very personal decision about how this plays out in your life. But you need to ask these questions. How am I responding? How am I retaliating? How am I loving? Am I doing it with the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ? Am I responding in a way that I think feels good and defends my honor in this world? Sometime before that march in Alabama, Martin Luther King Jr. actually was criticizing some reporters and photographers. They, they in other marches and sit-ins across the country, they were, um, they were putting their cameras down. And they were helping um, defend those whose rights were being violated. And he said, because you did that, there's no pictures. The world doesn't know. That day in Selma, the cameras were rolling. You can see it online. It's amazing. And the world saw it. And the president saw it. And a week later, Congress had before them a bill for full voting rights for African Americans. Now, this is not a political statement, but this is just a fact of life. 45 years later, those same people who were being beaten in Selma, Alabama, were able to cast a vote for an African-American president. Friends, the love of Christ changes hearts, and it changes lives, and it has the power to change the world. We won't see it in our day. But one day, we'll see a kingdom where the heavenly city descends on this earth. And laws and rules like this won't even be necessary because the love of Christ will abound. May we begin to anticipate that in our day and in our lives.